Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good afternoon, my name is Charlie and I will be your operator today. Welcome to CN's third quarter 2021 financial and operating results conference call. All participants are now in the listen only mode. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. I would now like to turn the call over to Paul Butcher, Vice President Investor Relations. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Butcher. Well, thank you, Charlie, and good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us for CN's third quarter 2021 financial and operating results conference call. Before we begin, I'd like to draw your attention to the forward-looking statements and additional legal information available at the beginning of the presentation. As a reminder, today's conference call contains certain projections and other forward-looking statements within the meaning of the U.S. and Canadian securities law. These statements are subject to risk and uncertainties that may cause actual results to differ materially from those expressed or implied in these statements and are more fully described in our cautionary statement regarding forward-looking statements in our presentation. After the prepared remarks, we will conduct a Q&A session. I do want to remind you to please limit yourself to one question. The IR team will be available after the call for any follow-up questions. Joining us on the call today are JJ Ruet, our President and Chief Executive Officer, Ghislaine Hull, our Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer, Rob Riley, our Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer, James Cairns, our Senior Vice President, Rail-Centric Supply Chain, Helen Quirk, our Senior Vice President and Chief Strategy Officer, and finally, Keith Reardon, our Senior Vice President, Consumer Product Supply Chain. It is now my pleasure to turn the call over to J.J. Ruet. Well, thank you, Paul, and uh, good evening, everyone. Today, we will do our prepared statement in two parts. Ghislaine and I will cover the highlight of the third quarter. We'll keep that section tight. And then the team will cover the progress on our September 17 action plan. Well, let's first start with the highlight of Q3, and I'm on page five. All in, on an adjusted basis, the base business produced an adjusted diluted EPS growth of 10%, an adjusted operating ratio of 59.0%, and free cash flow for the first nine months of just over $2 billion. The operating ratio started higher in July, resulting from the two-week loss of our CN mainline to the Port of Vancouver, but improved afterward in August and September to an adjusted 59.0 OR as the average for the quarter. Regarding pricing trend, James Kern will provide evidence of solid pricing at CN in the last couple of quarters. Regarding headcount, of the 1,050 that we mentioned in our September 17 conference call, about 70-75% are completed. At CN, we have a long-term strategy, and we railroad for all key stakeholders. We make sure the railroad has enough infrastructure to support the economy. We railroad to reduce carbon emission. We railroad to support our customers so they succeed and grow in their market. We railroad to produce good return for our shareholders, 
and we railroad to create an engaging and safe workplace for our employees. I will now turn it over to Ghislaine, who will walk us through the quarter. Well, thank you, JJ. My comments will start on page seven of the presentation, which will provide more visibility on our solid third quarter performance. Revenues for the quarter were up 5% to $3.6 billion, despite volumes on an RTM basis being down 1%, which were impacted by forest fires in July and supply chain constraints throughout the quarter. We delivered pricing well above rail inflation and continue to focus on yield management, optimizing CN's precious network. Adjusted net income was $1.80 billion with adjusted diluted EPS of $1.52, both up 10% versus last year. Other income was down by around $30 million versus last year due to a mark-to-market loss on an equity investment in autonomous driving technology. Our adjusted results exclude various non-recurring items related to the KCS transaction costs, including the 700 million US brick fee from KCS. Our adjusted results also exclude a workforce reduction provision, as well as advisory costs related to shareholder matters. Turning to page eight, let me highlight a few of our key expense categories expressed on a constant currency basis. Labor and fringe benefit expense was up 12% versus last year. This was mostly driven by increased wages due to a 5% higher average headcount and a workforce reduction provision, partly offset by higher capital credits from more capital work in the quarter. Excluding the workforce reduction provision, labor and fringe benefits was up only 6%. On a sequential basis, the end of quarter headcount was down 3% compared to the end of Q2. Fuel expense was up 40%, driven by a nearly 50% increase in price, partly offset by continued improvement in fuel efficiency. This quarter saw a significant improvement in equipment rents with a 31% decrease versus last year, driven by lower car, higher expense, mostly due to improved online productivity and lower volumes. Now moving to cash on page nine, we generated free cash flow of over $2 billion through the end of September, around $50 million lower than 2020, mainly from lower net cash from operating activities due to higher cash taxes. We have resumed our share buybacks and plan to complete our $1.5 billion program by the end of January 2022. Moving on to page 10, we are reaffirming our full-year financial outlook and expect to deliver about 10% adjusted diluted EPS growth versus 2020. While we are now assuming volume growth in terms of RTMs to be in the low single-digit range for the year, we are executing on our strategic plan that has started delivering benefits in Q4. We still expect to deliver free cash flow in the range of 3 to $3.3 billion, which will drive further improvement in free cash flow conversion. I will now turn the call back to you, JJ. Well, thank you, Ghislaine. And before I get into the progress of our September 17 action plan, as you already read from the press release, I am retiring effective as of the end of January 2022, or such later time as a successor has been appointed to ensure flawless transition. I am not going anywhere, and we, I will deliver with the team here today around me on the fourth quarter result, and to be sure that we have a successful setup to the 2022 business plan. The board, as also as you read in the press release, has appointed a search committee for a world-class CEO. The detail on the board committee that will do so is also in the press release. Back to the business. On September 17, we announced the next step in our strategy 
to redefine railroading for the next generation. CN will execute on our plan, deliver high-quality service to customers, and generate enhanced and sustainable return for all shareholders. Our long-term goal remains to consistently deliver double-digit EPS growth. I would like to, to begin by recapping our 2022 objective. We are targeting $700 million of additional operating income for next year. We intend to use a balanced approach, including optimizing railroad productivities and labor costs. We also expect to adjust our capital spend to 17% of revenue. We can do this without compromising our absolute commitment to safety and customer service because of the current good condition of our network and by putting to good use the technology investment we made in recent years. Another major component of our plan is lowering our operating ratio, starting with 57% in 2022. Achieving 57% next year will unlock significant near-term value while maintaining and balancing our commitment to customer service and safety. We will achieve it with operational excellence, rationalizing our cost structure, price, and finally volume when grain returns late next year. We are assessing opportunities to go lower beyond 2022, but responsibly, and we will, there will be same, say more to that uh, in the new year. We are targeting EPS growth in the range of 20%, return investment capital range of 15%, and about $4 billion of free cash flow for 2022. I am pleased with the quick progress thus far and the initial positive feedback received from shareholders and stakeholders both. I will now turn it back to the team who will provide an update on how we started to implement the key initiative that will deliver results in Q4 and in 2022. Okay, on page 13, uh, we have already made considerable progress on our total operating income improvement of $700 million for 2022. For the $250 million in labor, we have already completed around 75% of the reductions identified on our September 17th call. We will be substantially complete by the end of the year, which will provide a full-year impact of these reductions in 2022. For the $300 million in purchase services and material and other items, we have already secured around $100 million of initiatives in the past month, of which a few examples include the reduction of contractors through the entire company, both in the field and at headquarters, a reduction of IT applications, aggressively storing and retiring older locomotives, which will reduce purchase services and material costs associated with their maintenance. Finally, we'll deliver $150 million in additional price initiatives as we continue to enhance our yield management strategy. I will now turn it over to Rob. All right, thank you, Gislan. As stated on September 17th, operational excellence, our commitment to safety and service to our customers have been and will continue to be cornerstones in our strategy. All of our core operating and safety metrics have improved over the past couple years, leading to greater efficiencies and improved customer service. We continue to build on our positive momentum through our strategies. A big part of our operational excellence is in operating the railroad sustainably. Our fuel efficiency for Q3 was an all-time record. Our position as the industry leader from a fuel efficiency perspective underscores our commitment and enhances our operating performance and profitability. CN's industry leadership and sustainability 
and success and operational excellence have been achieved through a continuous and concerted effort by the team. We are on track to deliver all-time best in productivity in our operations, fuel efficiency, and most importantly, the safety of our employees. We are running a safe, efficient, and sustainable operation that consistently meets the needs of our customers. I'll now turn it over to Keith and James to outline CN's growth vision. Keith? Thanks, Rob. Current worldwide port congestion, especially on the U.S. West Coast, highlights the CN network intermodal advantage. Three coasts, 13 proven uncongested port gateways, several that are meaningfully expanding their capacity. Single line, single owner access from each coast to the U.S. Midwest links the efficient gateways to where the markets are and where they will be. Our inland terminal network is well established, yet continually improving. State-of-the-art terminal and container asset technology-backed investments are creating capacity and efficiency, improving safety and improving the customer experience. The intermodal story for CN is strong with decades of opportunities ahead. James, I believe you also have some great long-term carload markets that are developing. Yeah, thanks, Keith. I've never been more excited about our long-term carload growth potential I am today. Our unique geographic reach and exclusive access to the Port of Prince Rupert will help us be a leader in carload growth over the next several years. Canadian grain recovery in Q4 2022 will be followed by emerging new renewable fuels and refined petroleum products projects that will propel our growth through 2023. What I am most enthusiastic about are new green energy carloads related to Alberta's massive growth in hydrogen energy projects, evidenced by the slew of recent announcements around the Alberta industrial heartland. Hydrogen-related carloads have the potential to be of the scale of crude by rail at its peak, but with long-term rateability. Our end-to-end supply chain model that helped us create new export capabilities for propane is easily replicated for blue ammonia and other hydrogen-derived energy carloads. We move to the next slide. We routinely get asked questions about revenue per RTN. Our view is that this measure is a better proxy for mix than it is for price. That said, since December 2018, when we started our customer-centric journey under JG's leadership, CN has seen the fastest growth in revenue per RTM for all Class 1s to the end of Q2 this year. We believe a better proxy for price is, well, price. As you've heard us say before, we consistently price ahead of railway cost inflation. In the last five years, our corporate same-store price has been on average nearly 2% greater than rail cost inflation. We have been preparing for accelerating railway cost inflation by sequentially increasing our price each quarter since Q4 2020. Our various incremental capacity auction programs provide real insight into the market rate for our valuable capacity, allowing us to smartly price to meet the market without undue volume risk. I'll turn it back to JJ. Thank you. Thank you, Jane. Thank you, Keith. Thank you, Robin. Just like looking to Looking to 2023 and beyond, the CN team is focused on delivering solid results and see the opportunity to further improve our operating, operating ratio as we continue to prioritize safety, railroading for customers, railroading to reduce carbon emission, a balanced approach. Our leadership team has a clear vision. We are focused to be a growth company and produce financial value over the short and long term. CN's future is bright. Our network is great. Our ambition is to build a premier railway of the 21st century 
investing in technology, investing in capacity, delivering service that attract more customers to the rail network, improve safety, reduce carbon emission, create the essential capacity for the economy, and reduce our costs. Just as CN pioneered the industry focus on efficiency, we are on our way, well on our path to, to now be well positioned to lead the industry to the next transformation of a modern digital schedule railroad. To conclude, CN is taking a balanced approach. We are investing in the success of our customers, success of our workforce and communities, and as well as return for our shareholders. We will now turn it back to the question. Charlie? Thank you. We'll now begin with a question and answer session. To ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone and wait for your name to be announced. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. As previously mentioned, we ask you to kindly limit your question to 1. The first question comes from the line of Ken Hexter with Bank of America. Please go ahead. The new Super Beats Heart Shoes Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Good afternoon, Ken. Hey, good afternoon. Um, JJ, maybe I can start with uh, I know one question, but I guess you know, you're, you're announcing your retirement. Maybe your, your thoughts on the outlook here. Um, you talk about decelerating growth. Uh, maybe talk about, you know, I know Keith and, and, and James talked about kind of the, the leaders of that, but, you know, talk about your outlook on the economy here and then your, your thoughts as you, you step away. Yeah, so where we're at, I think you can, where we're at right now, I think we're in a world of increasing inflation. That's why we're driving price. We're in a world where volume is sort of, uh, you know, it, it, it's positive in some places, not so positive in other places. Uh, so, therefore, we have to adapt to that. And I think we're also in a world where it's time for us to be really setting for the future. That's why there's such a focus on the, the rail of the future. We call that BSR, leveraging technology, using talent, you know, making sure we're relevant to our customers, all of them, big and small, and creating value. So I think the rail industry has a, has a uh, huge opportunity is to be more relevant to the supply chain, working with ecosystem at the port, making the best mousetrap to attract more vessel. It also has, a, has an opportunity to attract more freight on the highway and converting that to the railroad. It doesn't come in at the same operating ratio. I think it's well understood by all, but it's very much part of the long-term success of the rail industry is competing with other modes and uh, doing so in a way that's relevant to customers whose freight, uh, you know, is uh, they're the one who decide where to spend their money. So I think really, uh, the rail industry has a great future. It just needs to remind of the basic. Um, you got to have as many customers as you want to make these uh, rail assets as valuable as possible. Thank you. Thanks. 
Your next question comes from the line of Walter Spracklin with RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Thanks very much. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. Uh, so, so I guess you know, uh, obviously, some big news here with with, with the announcements, and and when I look at you know what you what you what, what changes you're you're putting forward, obviously with your strategic plan, uh, there's changes now at uh, at the board level and management. It, it seems to be fairly or closer aligned to 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 what TCI is is asking for. I guess my question is. You know, is there room for uh, an engagement here now following these announcements? Do you think that that's possible? Is that going to be something you're going to be lo looking for? Or is this, is this uh, more of an independent approach that you, you plan on taking with regards to the, to, to the CEO search and, and, and proceeding as planned with the, the March 22nd uh, 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 meeting? Thank you, Walter. And if I may say, I think it's maybe the other way around. It's maybe TCI is getting closer to what CN's long-term strategy is. You know, I hear more comments about, first of all, when they ran out the, the, the press release earlier this week, it was a bit of a vague presentation, but no clear target. Um, and, and a press release is not, a, is not a plan in itself. But they were talking about the things like, you know, long-term, uh, you know, emission, where customers came out more, more, more balanced. And I think uh, regardless of... Uh, but regarding further engagement TCI, I won't specifically speculate for that. I'll let the, you know, the board engage with, uh, with, uh, with the activists. But if the strategy that we have here is very, very clear, right? We want to balance for our railroad for all stakeholders. We want to be a growth company. We want to be a safe company. We want to be a company who has enough capacity so that the demand surge or peak, and we've seen this in the past, that we don't let the economy stranded. And then and that we create an environment where our industry is uh, successful, not because it's a duopoly or tree duopoly within North America, but it's successful because more and more customers want to do business with us. And more and more customers want to use our port by choice. Uh, and more and more customers want to leave the highway and, and join our respective intermodal network. So I think that's long term, that's where the, the, the future is. And we talk about technology often. Uh, it needs to happen. We need to have technology that makes the railroad safer. That's more about the maintenance side. Technology that creates capacity without necessarily having to lay down more track. And technology also that uh, makes the, the service to our customers who all buy supply chain. They don't buy a rail service. They buy a combination of transportation modes. And therefore, having technology that makes it easier for them to uh, track and trace and uh, maintain the inventory that they have. It's maybe a little more sophisticated than uh, how low can you go on the operating ratio. Appreciate the caller. Thanks, JJ. Thank you. Thank you, Walter. Your next question comes from the line of Sherilyn Radborn with TD Securities. Please go ahead. Hello, Sherilyn. Thanks very much. Good afternoon. Um, in terms of the pricing environment, could you speak to uh, what the spread versus inflation looks like as we sit today, and how much of the book of business has been repriced in this tight freight environment, and how much is left to go through year end and into early 2022? Thank you. James will cover that. He's uh, my pricing expert. So, hey, thanks for the question, Sherilyn. So, very interesting. We've been preparing for um, uh, wrapping up of inflation here since Q4 of 2020. So we've been very careful with a lot of our contract renewals not to go out too far because it was an uncertain environment. 
we've got a pretty big chunk of our business that's going to be available for repricing still uh, Q4 this year and into next year. Um, I don't know the exact number, but somewhere in the range of about 35 to 40% of our entire book of business that we can reprice. So we're, we're pretty excited about that. We'll make sure that we're pricing well ahead of railway cost inflation. And to date, um, this year, we've been just over 5% on our same store price. So it is, it is bearing, bearing out that we're able to secure these price increases because the customers realize they, they need the capacity that we have. Um, increasingly, as we move into 2022, that capacity is going to have more value. And creating that level of certainty for customers with a contract in hand with CN is, is worth something to our customers. So we'll continue on that path. We'll be pricing ahead of railway cost inflation. I think a good market somewhere between 1.5% and 2% ahead of railway cost inflation is where we think we're going to be balance of this year and into 2022. Thanks for the question, Sherilyn. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of David Bernman with Bernstein. Please go ahead. Um, hey, Kev. Good afternoon, guys. Thanks a lot for taking the time. Um, hey, Keith, could you maybe talk a little bit more about um, what kind of tailwind we can expect on international intermodal pricing, given where um, steamship rates have headed over the last sort of 12 to 18 months, and the timing for when some of your international intermodal contracts may come up? Go ahead, Keith. Thanks, David. Um, you know, price has a lot of different uh, aspects to it. I'll start off with our same store price, and then I'll talk about some other things that we're doing. But the same store price saying, you're right, we have had some contracts come up. We will continue to have contracts come up. It, it happens all the time. Um, in these last two contracts, they came up big ones. Uh, we, we had the opportunity to, uh, to look at the book of business and actually um, upscale our business. Uh, there's some business that we did not uh, think was compensatory to the workload that we put into it, so we jettisoned some of that business. And we didn't do it in an uh, adversarial manner. We worked with our customers, and we said, you know what, we'd, we'd rather focus on these areas, and, uh, and we provide those services to you. So uh, we will continue to do more of that. You know, we started in our, upscale, uh, in our upscaling, as James mentioned, uh, but we also are looking at um, taking our latent capacity that's been created by some of these supply chain issues, and we're selling that at premium rates, uh, working with our customers. So we're taking every uh, opportunity to talk to our customers to figure out what they want to accomplish, and then we're creating value for them, and we're usurping that value for CN as well. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. Thank you. Thanks for the color. Um, JJ, if I could squeak one more in here. Um, is there a timeline for the board's uh, search process? So the board will, uh, the, the board is looking for the best of the best, and they want to take the time to make sure that we find and uh, determine the best of the best for the next generation of a CEO here at CN. So they're not on the clock. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean that they will go slow. They, you know, they, they'll work, uh, they'll, they'll want to be sure that, uh, you know, it's a very important task, but at the same time, I mean, I'm, we're not going to put out a specific time by which this is, will be done. As I said in my opening comment, and I think it's also in the press release, I'm, I'm staying till the end of January or whenever it's required to do the smooth transition. And at this point, we're looking for the quality, and sometimes quality takes a little time. So I would refer you back. Thank you. Well, I refer you back to some of what's said in the press release. Uh, it was word, worded very specifically. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Kornak Gupta with Scotiabank. Please go ahead. 
good afternoon, and thanks for taking my question. <clears throat> so I just wanted to understand, um, you know, given the global supply chain disruptions we are seeing right now, um, like how, how the streamline shipping customers um, you have, they're thinking about the whole dynamics here. Are they looking to incrementally uh, look to Canadian West Coast ports, especially Prince Rupert, or they are looking more sort of east uh, to kind of decongest away from uh, Long Branch and uh, and uh, LA, uh, so and South Carolina. So maybe, maybe Kanada can start, and, and Keith can uh, can add a lot of color that's his space. But one of the comments made earlier, I'm not sure if it was understood, that as some of the business we decided to re not renew some of the lane, that created capacity at Rupert. You know, capacity at Rupert was sold out. That created the capacity at Rupert. So now Keith and his team have been able to do some new vessel. Uh, you know, you've heard about these pendulum vessel smaller vessel uh, that uh, some of the uh, retailers in North America are now going out and charter themselves. So they only pick up freight at a few ports in Asia and they drop it off at, at one port in North America and they want to avoid at all costs any Long Beach or any places where a vessel are delayed. So for us to be able to do this uh, and do this at a premium price, it has to be with other customers when we were not on a contract and also do this at the port, Rupert, which now has some, some latent capacity because some of the business that, uh, you know, we, we and the customer uh, would not see eye to eye on the yield of it, we've actually let it go. So I don't know if you want to talk about the future, uh, yep. Keith, and how many more months or quarters this may last. Yeah, and just to point out the, the su supply chain disruptions and what's happening to these vessel strings are what's causing some of this transitory volume issues that you've seen for uh, Rupert and Vancouver, you know, down down for us. So that was the uh, that was the uh, um, factor that got us uh, taking a, a page out of our playbook to go back to some of these customers, as JJ pointed out. I will also say that uh, year over year, we've seen the um, East Coast uh, ports that we service, as well as the Gulf, the Gulf Coast ports that we service. We're up 20% over last year, and that's a diversification approach by the by the um, by the customers. Not only the uh, not only the steamship lines, but the people that are in the boxes. They're saying, "I want another gateway," and uh, that's why the CN uh, network is set up uh, so great for that. We've got three coasts, the three different ways that they can get in, 13 different ports. So uh, that's why we're so um, happy uh, that we have this network. That's why we're so uh, bullish on the uh, the future. Thank you, Cornar. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Jason Seale with Cohen. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you, Operator. I uh, wanted to talk a little bit uh, about the headcount reductions. You said you're about 75% through that. Uh, did all those uh, uh, come in uh, 4Q here early on? And what's the, mi what's the mix sort of between the U.S. and Canada with those reductions? So I think uh, Ghislaine will, will cover that. Just to let you know, we're extremely focused on executing on that, uh, Jason. And uh, we actually track this daily to a great detail. So Ghislaine? Yeah. Yeah, Jason, I'll give you a bit of a, a color on, on the mix uh, of headcount. As we said, we, we have about 75% out of the uh, 1050 that we announced on September 17th. I would tell you close to 600 um, is the management and um, and close to 200, call it 190, is union. Um, I would say 
the lion's share of it is in Canada, uh, and that's what I would tell you between Canada and the U.S., but, you know, I'm giving you the color here on, on the uh, management versus union. Yeah, I know, Jason, that uh, people are typically tracking headcount in the U.S. for Class 1 Railroad. Uh, most of what we talked about here is happening on the Canadian side. Yeah. So you'll see, you, you won't see that in our headcount for U.S. network because most of our management uh, position on the Canadian side and most of the uh, reduction that we've done or are doing, are, uh, you'll find them on the Canadian headcount, not the U.S. headcount. That's right. I don't know if that helped. No, that, that helps. I'm sorry, I might have missed it. Did you say they were, most of that was done by the 17th? Most have done, well, they were done after the 17, right? On the 17, we announced it. And then after that, we started to roll out. And 70, 75% of that is done as, as we speak. As we speak. This is as of today, yeah. give or take. It's about 75% of the 1050 that are done. Yeah, so that will impact the fourth quarter result, uh, current, okay. you know, current result. Gentlemen, I appreciate the time and color as always. Thank you, Jason. Your next question comes from the line of Brandon Glensky with Barclays. Please go ahead. Hey, uh, good afternoon, everyone. And uh, JJ, you know, just want to acknowledge it's quite an extensive career at CN. Uh, so best of luck uh, on the other end. But I guess, Thank you. you know, it, it would be great to get some perspective from you because obviously you were part of a team, you know, earlier when CN was viewed as really best in class. And I guess what are you looking for your, uh, you know, the person that takes over for you, what, what do you think they need to get right here to get back into the driver's seat of being the best railroad or at least the best viewed railroad in North America? Well, thank you, Brandon. Yeah, joined CN back in, the, back in the month of May of 1996, which was about six months after CN got to, was privatized. I think the landmark of CN is to be innovative, uh, to lead the industry, to take risks, and to do things that uh, maybe early days, early years, are not understood or accepted by others, right? This is what scheduled railroading was all about. A lot of naysayers at the time, it was not going to work. The IPO was a big, you know, big, big thing that a lot of people at that time, especially Canadian investors, thought it was not going to work. Uh, and then where we're at today is we're looking to the future, not the past. You know, CN is not trying to be in 2025 what it was in 2010. Uh, CN is looking to be, you know, what, 20, what, what, what the future looked like. So we're looking to be a growth company. I think we want somebody who's focused on growth, somebody who's focusing on uh, bringing technology into the company, somebody who's focusing on, uh, you know, having a workforce that presents today's society. So, you know, bringing talent from where it is, different gender, diversity, inclusion, uh, you know, a, a workplace that uh, is fit what uh, the young people or the people in military are attracted for, et cetera, et cetera. So I think the future is where you want to be. Uh, as uh, Gretzky said, you want to go with the hawk, the puck to be next, where the, not where the puck was in 2010 or 2015. So I think that's really, when you look for a CEO in early 2022, you want to, be, you want to have somebody who can actually get the, the company the way it needs to be in uh, 2025. I don't know if that helped. It does, JJ. Thank you. Thank you, Brandon. Your next question comes from the line of John Chappell with Evercore. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good afternoon. Ghislaine, we've talked about the cost initiatives and the pricing uh, strategy as part of the broader 2022 um, strategic plan. 
No comments on the reviews of some of the non-core businesses and maybe the trucking units specifically. How are those reviews gone and are you still on plan uh, for the impact that those are expected to have on, on hitting the targets for next year? So John, uh, Helen, Helen Cork is actually working those five specifically. She will uh, give you the call you need. Helen? Right. Yeah, thanks, thanks, John. On our non-rail assets review, we've commenced the sale process for the Great Lakes fleet of vessels, and we have a number of interested buyers on that. Uh, this is a profitable business, but we believe that we do not need to own the vessels to protect the rail revenues and maintain a stable supply chain for our customers. Uh, with regards to Transex, it is accretive to EPS, and we've almost doubled the intermodal business of Transex since the acquisition. Uh, the the profitability of the core Transex business is in line with best in class for similar types of assets. And we're still working through the options to potentially reduce our ownership interest while maintaining and growing the rail revenues there. Uh, we'll keep investors post posted on this. But our message remains that we are a growth company. You've heard it numerous times today. And we will continue to find ways through acquisitions and partnerships that will drive more business to our network over time. Thanks for the question, John. Thank you. Thank you, John. Your next question comes from the lineup Amit Mirvotra with Deutsche Bank. Please go ahead. Um, hey, JJ. Uh, best wishes. Uh, it's been a remarkable and successful career. So, wish you wish you the best. Uh, where, whatever next you do. Um, I wanted to follow up on, on Brandon's question, your commentary about the new CEO. Um, uh, you know, there's obviously another another world-class executive on the sideline, so to speak, that TCI is bringing forward. And I just want to make sure, um, you know, we're not reading the search. These searches can be long. They can be very expensive. Um, have you guys already considered this other candidate that TCI is bringing forward and you feel like that's not the right uh, way of CNTN wants to go. What's what's the strategy around doing an expensive long search when you do have uh, someone that's tried and tested, uh, you know, willing to, to take over the, the reins, so to speak? Yeah. So thank you for the question. It's an important question, but the board will consider all candidates, uh, you know, inside the company, outside the company, male and female, and there is a search, uh, meaning that. Uh, we will be very thorough and you know, be sure that uh, the next person who replaced me is the person that can really carry the CN strategy on a go-forward basis. So, you know, that, that takes a little time and that takes a very specific process. Uh, we're committed to the process. The board has set up a, uh, a CEO search committee, which can be led by, is led by Shawnee Bruder. Shawnee is our chair of the governance committee. And with her, we have Robert Phillips, who is a retired CEO, uh, chief executive officer uh, or chairman of the British, British uh, of BCR. And then you also have Kevin Lynch, and as well as, um, as Justin Howell, who's, uh, who joined the board from, uh, from Cascade. So this group will be doing, you know, reviewing what is, what is the profile for the future CEO of the future at CN. They will look for all candidates, known and unknown, uh, you know, uh, the search will remain confidential. We won't talk about candidates before the committee has a recommendation to make to the board. And the whole board of CN eventually, uh, as it did in the past, will uh, weigh in in the final de de uh, decision. So uh, we know there is some candidate out there, at least one, but uh, I think the world is bigger than that. And before the, the board make a decision, he wants to do it to be very, very thorough. 
Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Brian Osenbeck with J.P. Morgan. Please go ahead. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for taking the question. Uh, I wanted to come back to technology and, and what sort of benefits you think you're going to get from that across the network and maybe some of the injury ratios, the safety, uh, the fuel efficiency, capacity. We've heard about some of these initiatives for, for a number of years now, so I don't know if we're on the tipping point of them actually uh, you know, being able to generate some benefits uh, along those lines, maybe perhaps uh, helping reduce the headcount. So I just wanted to understand like what, what type of benefits you're expecting in the, in the plan for 2022, specifically as it relates to, to some of these technology initiatives. Yeah, so Rob is uh, probably the closest to that. Most of the technology that we're deploying right now is in the space of operation mechanical. Rob, you want to talk about technology in your space? Yeah, absolutely, and thanks for the question. So probably the best example we have right now is our autonomous track inspection cars. We now have 10 of those that are running from coast to coast to coast covering our core main, and some subdivisions are covering 15 to 20 times the previous inspection. That's really given us real-time information as we see it today. And, um, you know, that's allowing us to make better decisions. Really, when you look at our CapEx for next year, a big part of that's based on using the technology, especially when it comes down to how we replace ties and, and our undercutting, that, that's a big part of our basic maintenance. So we are seeing those, those results. When you talk about fuel efficiency, you know, we continue to raise the bar. We are the industry leader. Just in the last two years, just from our initiatives alone, we saved $75 million just from those initiatives. That's excluding fuel price and consumption. So really, really good work. We're continuing to see it. Jiz, I don't know if you want to mention anything regarding the, the actual dollars for next year, but uh, we are seeing the benefits. No, I think uh, I think in terms of dollars, as, as you remember, Brian, we uh, we uh, were shooting for a range of two to $400 million dollars. I think that, uh, you know, we slowed down a little bit uh, in 2020 because of COVID, as you can imagine. But uh, if you account for, um, for 2022 and 2023, I think we will be in the high range of those benefits. And uh, we're continuing to track those very, very closely. So quite bullish about technology. Yeah, and maybe, you know, technology also has a big part of our future on the commercial side. I don't know if uh, Helen or Keith wants to talk about some of the stuff that we do technology-wise that is really aimed to attract more business or make business more sticky on the CN? I'll, I'll start, Helen, uh, but, uh, you know, we're, we're actually deploying some technologies now at our intermodal terminals that are improving the efficiency of the terminal, the uh, capacity of the terminal, and the safety of the terminal, uh, and that's going very, very well. It's enabling us to do more business uh, through the ter terminals. It's uh, creating a better customer experience for our uh, trucks. They come in and out of the terminal. Um, and, and we have um, many more of those initiatives that are underway. Uh, but, Helen, you've got a few. No? Okay. Uh, Brian, with that, well, thank you. Thank you, Brian. Okay. I appreciate that, and best of luck to you, J.J. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line at Benoit Poirier with Dejardin Securities. Please go ahead. Salut, Benoit. Yes. Yes, good afternoon, everyone, and best wishes, uh, JJ, on the next steps. Uh, with respect to the supply chain issues, could you maybe provide some color on the business segments that are impacted the most and whether uh, it should become a tailwind uh, going into 2022 uh, as this becomes uh, better? 
Maybe I can start, but definitely when you look at the fourth business, uh, business is somewhat down because, you know, things on the ocean are not working the way they should. So we're turning this into a positive the way Keith described earlier. So now that we have some capacity at Rupert, at Rupert that, uh, you know, that on paper we, we was not going to be available, he can do so now, take some spot business, shuttle, shuttle service, pendulum service with only Rupert as the only protocol on the, on the North American side. And on automotive, I think everybody knows the story, the whole automotive industry is struggling to get uh, chipped, which means that, uh, you know, you and I are probably going to be deferring our car purchase of a new car to next year when we have more choice of uh, brand and color. And that's going to be a story for 2022. I don't know if you want to add, James, to what's happening in yeah. the of car loads. You know, I would say the weak outlier we have is Canadian grain. I think everybody knows that story. You know, in the first 10 weeks of this current grain crop, we're down over 1.5 million tons. That's bad news. The good news is, you know, we're, we're in a very unique position in that we have some strong tailwinds with coal. We've got the potential of two coal plants reopening on our network. We've got the full-year effect of the uh, tech deal that's going to drive us through for at least the first half of uh, 2022. You know, all in, we expect that coal is going to make up almost half of that uh, gap we have with the Canadian grain crop. And then, of course, you know, the grain crop gets reset Q4 next year, and we got some very high hopes. So if you think about coming out of 2022, we've got some strong momentum with uh, a recovery in grain through end of 2022 into 2023. And then we've got some uh, significant carload growth projects related to uh, uh, new crush plants and new, new, uh, uh, new activity around renewable fuels carries us forward 2024 and beyond, that's when we start seeing the, the significant growth in carloads related to the hydrogen economy all around Alberta. And I got to tell you, like I said on my prepared remarks, this could be big. This could be of the scale of crude by rail, but this is going to be long-term rateable carloads that move by rail, not rail when it's convenient, but rail all the time. So it's a very pro exciting prospects for the future. So yeah. thank you very much. Carlos from Alberta to the West Coast by uh, Rupert of Vancouver. There's also a positive story on iron ore export. Yes. Ian is doing iron ore export from uh, the Gulf. Uh, and then we have a trial over Rupert. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and a cold story at Ian is all export, either via the U.S. Gulf or via the Port of France Rupert. Thank you, Benoit. Your next question comes from the line of Georgian Oligur with Golden, Golden Sex. Please go ahead. Good afternoon, Jordan. Good afternoon. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of the focus always is on operating ratio, the 57% target next year, but sort of thinking beyond that, not operating ratio, but sort of you know, given the customer-centric pivot that you had done, what's the update and thoughts around the longer-term revenue projection for you guys, not necessarily next year, but sort of beyond that as you, um, you know, maybe we're at the optimal OR, but how do you think about the revenue growth long-term? Thank you for the question. It's also, I find it's a, it's a refreshing way to look at railroading. Operating ratio is a key KPI, but it's a byproduct of, uh, of the business. So we're focusing on growth. So CN is looking to bring more volume in the railroad. It makes the railroad more profitable, more viable when you have more freight on it as opposed to demarket freight. So we're a growth company. We want a railroad for customers, so we need to have a customer centricity mindset and culture at CN to do that. Antimal is an area where you can attract freight from, uh, on the railroad. Port business is another area where we can compete with other railroad networks to bring business on the CN. And, and, uh, and, and James mentioned on the carload side, 
Now, for us to attract companies like G3, for example, who announced recently two more grain elevators, you know, 100 loops of loot track, 150 cars being built on our railroad because they like the, the way we railroad for them as much as we railroad for, for shareholders. So all these things really are, that's the way of the future, is to, to use a network for what it really is meant to be, to move a lot of freight and to be an enabler of the economy and to attract people like G3 or Dow Chemical to make major investment on our line or within our line uh, with, with the Canadian Network switching as an example. So I think these are the things that really are uh, what DSR is all about, is uh, use the network because it's very fuel efficient, lower carbon emission, it's safer than stuff on the highway, and uh, use it for all, all it has the potential to be, is uh, to be a big enabler of the economy and uh, participate in what's good here in North America. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Scott Group with Wolf's Research. Your line is now open. Hey, thanks. Afternoon, guys. Um, JJ, you uh, made some comments at the beginning of the call about July versus September operating ratio, and, and maybe if you can just get some color there. And then longer term, it, it sounds like maybe there's a, a little bit of a, a change in, in from the September call at, as the business grows past 22, that there should be further margin improvement, maybe just a, a little uh, color there and how you're thinking about operating leverage longer term. Okay, thank you, Scott. So as, as I say in my, in my comment, and that's important to clarify that, uh, you know, lowering the operating ratio starts with 57 in 2022. And we're not saying 57 is the end of it, but we say 50, 57 in 2022, and we're confident we're going to deliver against that is one way to railroad with balance, is one way to, uh, to make sure that we create something in it for all stakeholders, users and shareholders, long-term, short-term, and making sure we don't leave the economy behind if, uh, for whatever reason, the demand for trade transportation, especially in Canada, is going to surge back at some point in the future. So it's not about how low we're capable to go and how fast we get to that. It's more about how low should we go and over what period of time. But starting with 57 in 2022, potentially some firm improvement beyond that. Uh, let us uh, go, go back uh, to, to the trade here back in the early in the new year. And volume obviously is, a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is an important point. Uh, I mean, as much as the Canadian grain crop right now is a huge disappointment because we are set up for it, we have the capacity to move it, but it's not at the rendezvous. You know, we are planning for an average crop for, mid, mid, uh, for late next year. And therefore, growth, revenue time mile growth will be back uh, at CN. Uh, this year, I think if, if grain was to be normal, we would have, James, how much GTM growth next year? 6%. 6%. So it's 6%, but by the time you put in grain, uh, the fact the crop's not there. So definitely, it's a growth story. And definitely, 57, we believe, is where we should go next year, not as low, not as, low as we're capable of going. But it's more about where we should go, and it starts with 57 in 2022. And after that, we'll see uh, more to come in the future earning call. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. Oh, no, sorry, yeah. You had a question about uh, August uh, and July. So maybe I think on that point, Rob would be in better position to talk about 
sort of the movement in our OR, kind of a month to month, and what happened here in July at CN. Yes, yeah, Scott. Uh, even though we don't talk about OR in terms of months, if you just if we look at June and where we were at headed into July, of course we lost the bridge right at the beginning of July for two weeks, and then that was followed by a ministerial order. So there's no doubt that July's uh, um, performance impacted the quarter. But if you look at uh, June to July, there's nearly a a 10-point swing in OR, and the same thing when you look at September to July. So um, hopefully that, that gives you a little bit of color of what we were looking at there. Yeah, July was quite challenging from uh, solid June, and then we had uh, we lost the main line and all that goes on with it. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Tom Wadewitz with UBS. Please go ahead. Hi, Tom. Uh, yeah, good Good afternoon. Um, TJ, I had one that's kind of a minor follow-up on a, a prior question and then a, another one, if uh, if you will. Um, I guess on timing, is the timing of your retirement uh, at the end of January uh, intended to kind of coincide with when the board would be done with their decision? Is that why you set it uh, accordingly, or it seems almost implicit in that? And then I guess the second question just would be your broader thoughts on supply chain and kind of, you know, we hear so much about labor constraints, but there's not a ton of visibility to that easing up. So I don't know if you will want to offer some broader thoughts about, you know, rail capacity improvement uh, and volume growth broadly in 22, whether that's pretty visible or, you know, is that uh, is labor a significant risk to kind of, you know, how uh, CN runs or, or North American railroads run? Thank you. Thank you. So on the first one, I'm not going anywhere, right? So I've announced my retirement, but at the same time, my job, and I said my opening comment, the whole team here on the table, our job is to deliver a very solid result in the fourth quarter, to finish on a high and prove to our investors and our customers that, uh, you know, our 2022 business plan is real and to be really set up to enter 2022 on a very solid footing. And, I want, I, you know, I want to be here to deliver those results. Uh, back to you guys uh, and girls uh, sometime in January. In terms of the timing, you know, the board is not on a specific timeline. Uh, you know, that they, they, they will find and determine the best candidate when they're ready. And therefore, my mandate to the board is to be, you know, my, my, my heart is to CN. I've been here for 25 years. I want, to be, I want to do what's right for the company. And I will leave when the board needs me to leave. That is when the board has, uh, you know, the, the proper successor to be ready to step in the job. So, that's, that's where the flexibility and the beauty of all this come together. But uh, very committed to the fourth quarter, committed to setting the company strong for whoever is the next CEO to have a very solid 2022, and committed to be here uh, till the time that the board has uh, announced to the person that will succeed me, whether it's a candidate from inside or outside, uh, from anywhere around the world in North America, uh, female or male or female. So I'm here at the disposal of... Uh, the board and our shareholders, and uh, I've done this long enough, uh, my, my, my heart is to make sure that we do the right thing for the next step of CN. And regarding the supply chain, I think maybe, you know, James and Keith may have a better, better view than me on that, on that part of the question. Yeah, I would say, you know, um, if you look at out of 2022, every single segment across CN is going to be growing in 2022 with the exception of, uh, exception of our grain business. And grain, as we talked about, it's a big hit. Um, I pivot back to say uh, we are, we're so lucky 
to have coal as a backfill for grain as we go into 2022. And then again, you know, just looking forward about all the growth prospects that start kicking in the second half of 2022 into 2023, it's something really, uh, really to be excited about, and it's going to really create some opportunities for us, um, you know, as we move forward here. And, and Rob, on labor, uh, availability of uh, labor to move, uh, move the railroad. I know there's some question on some of uh, some of the U.S. property around the United States, but what about CN? Yeah, so um, we're, we're in good shape from a labor standpoint. Uh, you know, we do see the sporadic as we have over the last uh, year and a half with the with the pandemic. Uh, we do see the sporadic uh, outages that uh, impact uh, our labor, but really it's short-lived and. Uh, we're, we're in good position here to, to handle it from a labor standpoint. Great. You, thank you for the time. Thanks for the perspective. Thank you, Tom. Your next question comes from the line of Chris Weatherby with C. Please go ahead. Hi, Chris. Hey, hey thanks and good afternoon. Um, yeah, and, and certainly best of luck here, Jay, in the next endeavor for you. Um, I wanted to maybe ask a little bit, go back to that comment about September being sort of 10 points better than July, and obviously that's a function of both probably July not being particularly good and, and September being certainly better and, and gaining some momentum. But when you think about that coupled with what you already announced around headcount reductions, 100 million of cost savings that you're capturing here in 2021, I guess I'm curious how you guys think you are sort of running or maybe will be exiting 2021 in terms of that run rate towards the 57. I guess it's always been our assumption that there are some benefits of removing, say, Great Lakes from the business in order to get to that 57, so mixing the OR down by the loss of some of those higher OR businesses. But I'm kind of curious what maybe the underlying business is running at today based on some of the progress you've been able to make so far. Yeah, maybe just without getting into uh, you know, uh, guidance by quarter by month, just remember, so we said we have a target of operating with 57 for 2022. And in any railroad, including Northern Railroad, there's some seasonality in your OR. So December, January, February, March are tip winter months, you know, especially in, in Western Canada where 50% of our business is. So the operating ratio for these four months is higher than the other eight months. You've got to take that into account, uh, number one. Number two, uh, we, we have made progress during the course of the summer, as Rob mentioned, recovering from the, last, the fact that we have lost the main line to Vancouver for two months, for two weeks, I'm sorry. And also the work we've done here on labor and, and on the, uh, September 17. So we're making progress. And as I said, we're already committed to enter 2022 on good footing to deliver against our commitment. Uh, I don't know if you want to add some other things, Gislaine, uh, without getting into yeah, I too can, deep in uh, I can, guidance. Yeah, I can add, Chris, that, uh, you know, based on what JJ is mentioning, we are very confident to deliver our earnings guidance of 10% EPS growth. So, you know, I mean, we have essentially 10 months behind our belt, so we have two months left. So uh, we're very confident of that. And, um, you know, the OR will come with, with that guidance on EPS. I mean, it will be the result of, of that EPS growth. Yeah, and also the result of, uh, as, you, as, you, as you know, you've been at this for a while. The last two weeks of December sometime are kind of a crapshoot meaning we could have good weather, bad weather, or customers might decide that they shut down because they want to, you know, save on labor costs and sell the product they have in their warehouse. It all depends how they view the economy. So the last few weeks of the quarter and the fourth quarter sometimes are 
the men spike up, sometimes the men spike down. It all depends how everybody's reading the economy and all the, what they want to do in terms of uh, closing their year-end book with lot product on hand or we have nothing on hand. So, But uh, we're working hard to do what we said we would do, and I think that uh, hopefully you see that in our third quarter result and you see that uh, we've been able to bounce back since the challenge of the month of July, which was after a fairly solid month of June. Hopefully that helps. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Steve Hansen. Would Raymond James please go ahead? Oh yes. Good afternoon. Thanks for squeezing in here. Just uh, I'll just echo everyone else. Uh, JJ, congrats on a fantastic career. Um, but uh, as it relates to my question and, and the new focus in the 22 plan. I'm just curious whether the board is contemplating any changes to the compensation structure of management uh, to align around this new plan uh, as we're looking forward, I guess, beyond even 2022. Thanks. Yeah, it's a good question, and it's a question that the board asks itself at all time. Uh, every year there's a discussion around uh, you know, how, what kind of compensation system should we have and whether or not we make some change to the compensation system so that it stays current about who we are today and what we want to be tomorrow. And those discussions take place all the time, including in current times. So I would say uh, I mean, it's just an ongoing discussion. Whether or not we have uh, you know, an activist or not, it's, it's a, this is something that the boards always look at. And they always look at the discussion in terms of the long term and what is that they define from the CN long term strategy. And it needs to be aligned with that. So. Uh, you know, I, we, have, we have nothing to say about what it might be in the future. Uh, in any event, that's not for management to, you know, to do that. It's for the board. And, um, but it's, 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 an, it's an ongoing discussion, but it's an ongoing discussion at all time, not just in current time. Thank you. Appreciate the color. This concludes the question and answer session. I would like to turn the call over back to Mr. J.J. Ruber. Well, thank you. Thank you, Charlie, and thank you for joining us today. Uh, we're into an exciting time at CN at all times. You know, we, we worked very hard this summer on closing and transaction, which was very strategic uh, to us and very much in part of the long-term strategy of growing our network. Uh, we convinced a lot of supporters, convinced the, share of the board of KCS twice, could not get the regulators to be on side. So now we're very focused on our current network, and the great network that we have and exploiting that the best that we can. And, uh, you know, and, and then to that effect, we also rolled out our 2022 uh, business plan early back in September 17. And that's what we're very focusing on. As I said earlier, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here with the team to deliver a very solid fourth quarter result and make sure that we enter 2022 uh, with, with a year set up that we could be successful next year in producing the result that we talked about. And I think today we've also clarified some of those things that uh, maybe are more clear to you at this point. So between now and then, then stay safe, and we'll see you in January. Thank you. You're welcome. The conference call has now ended. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect your lines at this time. Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beat brand for heart health support. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, 
grape seed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Superbeets Heart Chews Advance are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Superbeets Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.